I mean, when basically controlling for all things, one of the things that you hear over and over is about Black women dying at startling rates. She really took her time. And so it's not lost on me that that's not the, the situation with a lot of other women. Things may have turned out differently, and I'm grateful that she was there. Hi, everyone. Dr. Celine Gounder here. I'm the host of American Diagnosis, the podcast about health and social justice. The United States is the richest country in the world, with some of the most advanced medical treatments available anywhere. But you'd never know it if you saw how many mothers die in and after childbirth here. The U.S. has one of the highest maternal mortality rates in the industrialized world. And it's getting worse. Non-Hispanic Black women are more than three times as likely to die from complications due to childbirth than their white counterparts. But no one knows about this disparity in healthcare more than black women themselves. Tennis star Serena Williams is one of many black women speaking out on their experience giving birth while black. In an HBO documentary, she told a harrowing tale of neglect that could have resulted in her death. I remember being wheeled back to the operating room because they had to reopen my C-section and re-stitch it. And then they had to check for, you know, blood clots and everything. So they were doing all these different tests and everything was negative. I'm like, listen, I need you to run a CAT scan with dye because I have a pulmonary embolism in my lungs. I know it. I know I've had this before. I know my body. If this happened to a celebrity like Serena Williams, what could happen to other Black mothers in America? Today, we're bringing you a special bonus episode about maternal mortality. We're going to hear firsthand how this is affecting Black mothers and one possible solution to this deadly disparity. Hi, my name is Asha Ivy Stevenson. Last name is hyphenated. Asha is a behavioral scientist at the CDC. In 2016, she was expecting her first child, a boy named Ronald, but it was not an easy pregnancy. Pretty early in my first pregnancy with Ronald, I was hospitalized for pretty much most of the duration of the pregnancy. And so I was out of the office for about nine months. And so that's not the typical maternity leave. (laughs) Asha says she got very good care while she was in the hospital getting ready to have her baby. But after her son was born, she says the team became more hands-off. It was very clear that the attention had shifted. And as a result, the, um, the level of attention to detail for certain things that really could have slipped under the radar, it, it, was, it was quite scary. Many people may think the act of childbirth is the most dangerous time for a mother. But more than half of maternal deaths in the United States happen after the child is born. One of the issues Asha dealt with was postpartum preeclampsia. This can cause dangerously high blood pressure. Asha is a medical doctor with expertise in epidemiology and behavioral science. She knew the treatment she was getting wasn't working, but she struggled to convince her care team to take her concerns seriously. When people saw her as a black mother in the hospital, she couldn't get through to them. But things changed when she brought up her education and job at the CDC. This was when my um, 
blood pressure was skyrocketing. I'm in that moment and I'm like, you know, this medicine is not working. I know that. And having to look, I work at the CDC. I have a PhD in this. And then unfortunately, seeing things happen after that information was known. You know, but why, why does that matter? It's just infuriating while I'm sitting here, I'm wringing my hands because it's just the fact that you are in a vulnerable situation and should be tended to just like any other woman. Asha eventually left the hospital healthy with her newborn son. But her friend Shalon, another African-American woman who worked for the CDC, also experienced a difficult pregnancy. Shalon and Asha became quick friends at the CDC. She was no nonsense. I, I'm smiling as I, um, you know, think about, you know, some of our, of our interactions. And um, her smile makes you smile, remembering her, remembering her smile and her laugh. Their shared experience with difficult pregnancies brought them even closer. Some of the things that Shalon and I went through, we shouldn't have had to go through. I mean, just questioning our, you know, we we feel certain things, our bodies, we know. And this is not an unusual phenomenon. African-American women all over the country tell the same stories about medical providers ignoring what they have to say. Shalon was no different. My name is Wanda Irving, and I am the mother of Shalon Irving. Wanda knew firsthand how passionate Shalon was about her work at the CDC. She was committed to tackling big issues like health inequity. She wanted to make sure that the work that was being done was helping people. She wanted to make sure that the research that was being done was not sitting on the shelf and just gathering dust, but was actually put to use on the ground in the community with folks that needed to have that information. As a teenager, Shalon was diagnosed with a hormonal condition that can make getting pregnant difficult. She also had fibroids, non-cancerous growths of the uterus that complicate pregnancy and even increase the risk of a miscarriage. But Shalon always wanted to be a mother. She tried for years to get pregnant. So she went for three years doing the IVF, and I think she got pregnant once, but then the fetus did not survive. There was um, some issues, and so... That really devastated her for a while, but um, she didn't give up. She kept trying, and it it just never worked. Shalon eventually got pregnant, but Wanda was worried. The first thing that went through my mind was, oh, my God, how is she going to do this with everything else she's doing? So I became happy for her, but I was a little concerned. And she even asked me, she said, Mom, you're not as happy as I thought you'd be. Are you worried? I said, yes, I am, very much so. But I tried to keep that to myself and I showed her as much happiness as I could. But I was scared. Wanda's fear was not unfounded. Her family had a history of high blood pressure and other health problems. In my family, my mother died of a pulmonary embolism, I guess. And my son died of a pulmonary embolism as well. So um, I think we had Shalon tested after my son, her brother, died, and that's when we found out that she had the Factor V Leiden. Factor V Leiden is a disorder that increases your chances of developing blood clots. Women with the condition have a higher chance of developing these clots during pregnancy. They were going fine with that. She had um, 
Well, she was taking the oral medication until she found out she was pregnant, and then it was three shots a day after that. Shalon thought a lot about the community she wanted to help her raise her baby. Well, she knew she had already chosen the sort of the pediatrician and dentist and all of that for her, her child. But she also had chosen a godmother and a godfather that would be there for her child in case anything happened to her. She had friends and colleagues that were willing to um, be part of her village that would, in fact, be there for the child that would come and visit and just like relatives, like a family. So she had extended her family. Nine months later, Shalon gave birth to her daughter, Soleil. For the first day, she was just over the moon. She was just so excited and so happy to see her daughter. But problems started to arise quickly. The nurse came, and I think it was on the third or fourth visit that the nurse made that she started noticing some problems with the blood pressure. In addition to her skyrocketing blood pressure, Shalon was rapidly gaining weight. Her legs were swelling, and despite drinking lots of liquids, she was not urinating. Shalon went to her doctor several times to point out these issues, but each time she was dismissed. They were telling her that she had just had a baby and that she should give it time. It wasn't anything to be concerned about. And we're both in the room saying, look, there is something wrong. Clearly, look at her legs. It's swollen. Why is it swollen? Well, let's see if it's a blood clot. And Shalon would say, look, I know what a blood clot feels like. This is not a blood clot. There is something else wrong. Shalon was sent home with a pill to lower her blood pressure. Then, one day, things got really bad. That was probably around the fourth or fifth time that she had been to the same doctor with the same complaints. We went in, we saw the nurse practitioner that day. She asked to see the doctor, but the doctor happened to be too busy. He prescribed her more pills, and again, she was sent home. So we went home, um, put the baby down. We were sitting and talking, and she says, I just don't feel well. There's something wrong, Mommy. I don't know, but I don't feel well. And she said, well, let me try the pill. And she just collapsed. Her heart stopped, and um, I called 911. And they got there and rushed her to the hospital, but... There was nothing they could do for her. In the days that followed, Wanda wanted answers, but had to seek those on her own. I'd asked for an autopsy. They refused to do one. And they said, well, there was no need to do one. So if you want one, you have to pay for it. So that's what I did, is I paid for it myself, as they refused to do it. The autopsy was pretty inconclusive. It just said that um, basically she died from complications of hypertension. And that was because of the high blood pressure. Had he done something about the high blood pressure, put her in the hospital to have that under control, then I wouldn't have seen those kind of results. And she would still be here. The rage was just unbelievable. Just wanted to go ballistic. To what avail? And with all of this happening, Wanda had another priority, her granddaughter, Soleil. I didn't have time really to grieve at that point because there was this little person that needed to be taken care of. 
And, um, you know, as she's gotten older, what do you tell her about Shalon? We talk about her mommy every single day. There are pictures all over the walls. She knows so much. It's like, okay, a commercial will come on. She says, oh, mommy did not like commercials. Turn that, Nona. It's like, that's the kind of... <laughs> That's the kind of relationship she has now with the mommy that isn't here. That's hard because I still have to to relive all of those just to give her those memories. But I think it's important that she knows that she has a mommy or she had a mommy who loved her. And if she could be here, she would. Maternal mortality rates in the United States have been on the rise since 2000. Things are not going in the right direction. That was Asha Ivy Stevenson again, talking about the findings from a 2018 CDC report. Today, black mothers are dying at more than twice the rate of white mothers. And this is a problem for black women across all walks of life. Basically controlling for all things, one of the things that you hear over and over is about black women dying at startling rates higher than everyone else. And this not necessarily being related to income, education, you know, some of what we we go to. This is not that. This isn't a problem about education or income. It's a problem about race. Asha says the only major differentiator when it comes to this disparity in maternal mortality rates is race. There definitely is a difference with this particular issue, institutional racism and Black maternal mortality. Along with explicit racism, Asha says unconscious bias is part of the problem, too. A 2017 Harvard Medical School study found that doctors were more likely to perceive their Black patients as uncooperative and less likely to adhere to treatment. The result? Physicians were less likely to provide the care those patients needed. This unconscious bias can lead to Black patients being underdiagnosed, dismissed, and ignored, leading to worse outcomes than in white Americans. Wanda Irving knows this too well. Racism is something that's insidious. It's it's a feeling that you have the right to disregard another human being and not to take that person's being into consideration. But there is a surprisingly simple solution to this problem having a physician that looks like you. So my name is Abby Odun, full name is Abby Odun, but like I said, most people call me Abby or Biodun for short. Abby Odun was born in Nigeria, but grew up in Brooklyn. She's a professor at Pace University. She says that she always tries to seek out black doctors as her primary physicians. And so when she found out she was pregnant, her OBGYN at the time was not only black, but a woman too. She was very hands-on. I remember when I was pregnant, she used to tell me, you know, that she used to say, listen, that is my baby until you give birth. And so until you give birth, both of you are my babies. You need to, I need to make sure that you're both okay. Abiodun gave birth to her son via C-section and was discharged a couple of days later. But after coming back home, she began to feel like she couldn't take a deep breath. So I ended up going to the ER um, where I delivered. And, you know, so I walked in and I said, hey, you know, I'm I'm five days postpartum and I feel like I can't breathe. (laughs) And, you know, the minute I told them I was five days postpartum from the time I walked into the front desk, they really whisked me back to make sure that everything was okay. Her blood pressure was dangerously high. Doctors diagnosed her with postpartum preeclampsia and she was admitted to the hospital. 
Her OBGYN was an ever-present advocate. There was a point where they wanted to release me like a, two days early, and my doctor stepped in and said, no, we need to watch her a little more closely. It made it very clear from then on that, you know, whatever happens with me, she needs to know about it first. She really took her time. And so it's not lost on me that that's not the, the situation with a lot of other women. Um, so, yeah, things may have turned out differently, and I'm grateful that she was there. But many women who look like Abby Odun aren't receiving that level of care. When she heard about the troubling statistics on Black maternal mortality, she was not surprised. I mean, if I can be candid, you know, Black people always get the short end of the stick. And so whether it's, you know, education or health care, um, you know, or, you know, access to jobs, we, we always kind of get the lower end of it. So I wasn't surprised that that was the case. This is why Abby Odun has made it a priority to seek out Black doctors. The first thing that needs to happen is that, you know, Black women need to have adequate access to care to be able to put those questions before a doctor um, who is going to listen to them and doesn't have biases against Black women where they feel maybe Black women don't feel pain or um, are not experiencing what they're experiencing. So one, having access to care. And then, you know, once you do have that care, being able to have access to someone who is open and honest with them, and who really is going to help provide that care and walk them through the process. Abby Odin was lucky. She got a doctor who went above and beyond. But she fears that won't always be the case. It's very scary. And even thinking about having another child, I'm terrified because she's she's since retired. So I'm like, who am I going to find that's going to provide that kind of care just as good or even better? Shalon's story is evidence that that fear is warranted. In the weeks leading up to her death, Shalon may have had a premonition of what was going to happen. After Shalon died, Wanda's niece found a letter she wrote to Wanda. I am sorry that I have left you. On the particular day that I'm writing this, I have no idea how that may have occurred, but know that I would never choose to leave. I know it seems impossible right now, but please do not let this break you. I want you to be happy and smile. I want you to know that I'm being watched over by my brothers and grandma and that we are all watching you. Please try not to cry. Use your energy instead to feel my love through time and space. Nothing can break the bond we have. And you will forever be my mommy and I your baby girl. For Wanda and Asha, Shalon is kept alive through her work with the Dr. Shalon's Maternal Action Project. It's a nonprofit Wanda created in the wake of her daughter's death. She uses it to bring attention to the inequities in health care for Black mothers. I don't want her death to have been in vain. I want her name to be remembered. And any time you think or say the name Dr. Shalon Maureen Irving, you will think about maternal mortality and the health and well-being of Black women. And that is the only thing, in addition to my granddaughter's smile, that gets me out of bed every morning, is not to let that happen, that never will her name be forgotten.
American Diagnosis is brought to you by Just Human Productions. We're funded in part by listeners like you. We're powered and distributed by Simplecast. Today's episode was produced by Zach Dyer, Timotayo Fagbenle, and me. Our theme music is by Alan Best. Additional music by the Blue Dot Sessions. If you enjoy the show, please tell a friend about it today. And if you haven't already done so, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find out about the show. And Just Human Productions is now on Instagram. Check us out at Just Human Productions to learn more about the characters and big ideas we cover on American Diagnosis and our sister podcast, Epidemic. You can learn more about this podcast, how to engage with us on social media, and how to support the podcast at americandiagnosis.fm. That's americandiagnosis.fm. We love providing this and our other podcasts to the public for free, but producing a podcast costs money and we've got to pay our staff. So please make a donation to help us keep this going. Just Human Productions is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so your donations to support our podcasts are tax-deductible. Go to americandiagnosis.fm to make a donation. You can learn more about this podcast, how to engage with us on social media, and how to become a member and support the podcast at justhumanproductions.org. That's justhumanproductions.org. I'm Dr. Celine Gounder. Thanks for listening to American Diagnosis.